You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Dante Whitner. I almost said Dante Hitner because that was his nickname and still his Twitter handle. Dante Whitner, former Bills, 49ers, and Browns safety on the program today. I'd actually forgotten until I was researching for this interview that he played for Mike Patton. So we have a lot of interesting things to talk about from defenses that have given Aaron Rodgers problems. A great way to get into a playoff preview to Mike Patton, his defense, his approach, his ability to communicate with his players and to scheme things up. And so we'll have a lot of great insight that we can get from him. We will get to that conversation in a few minutes. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. I just think it is worth starting the show by saying the following. What happened yesterday in Washington is heartbreaking and and scary and tragic. And I, again, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I understand it is, for a lot of people, going to seem, much like it did this this spring and this summer, when there were a lot of other things going on in the world, football can at times seem trivial. As my friend and colleague Ross Jackson said from Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL, when he is dealing with these kinds of things, he works. And that makes him feel better. And that was the way that I approached this as well. My work, my contributions, my conversations with you, that helps me. And my goal in continuing to create content. And, and look, the NBA players last night, they made the same decision. They went out and played basketball because they offer an escape. They offer entertainment. And that's what I try and do. So that's what we're going to do. I just felt like we couldn't go and not acknowledge that. I saw there were other podcasts that said, you know, we're going to come out late or we're not going to come out at all. I understand and respect everyone's right to make those decisions for them. I've made this decision and I hope that I can provide something for you that can give you 25 minutes of entertainment and enjoyment. To that end, I actually want to start with an apology. And maybe that's overstating what I want to give. Earlier in the year, I expressed frustration with Green Bay's second and long run calls. 
And this is something that I've tweeted a lot about. It is something that was discussed. It was something that was brought up to both Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers earlier in the year. Zach Cruz wrote about it at Packers Wire. Aaron Nagler asked LaFleur and Rodgers about it. And I didn't understand why they felt it was so important to be running as much as they were on second and 10. And now that the season is over, the regular season at least, I went back and looked at it because I had a column to write for Packer Report yesterday and I expected the numbers to be bad. And I was going in expecting to write a column, hey, this is you know one of the three best offenses in football depending on you know what metrics you like. And so here's the one thing that they're not great at. Here's the one flaw in what they can do. And then I went and I looked at the numbers. And on second and eight plus, the Packers were actually 11th in success rate when they ran the ball, despite running it the most in the league in those situations. They ran more on second and eight or more than any team in football. And yet they were a good team by success rate. Moreover, On second and long overall, they were a top 10 team, eighth in success rate. So they were turning second and longs into either first downs or third and manageables. And I'm going, wait, how can can that be right? But I went back and looked at the explanations at the time, the explanations that, frankly, I didn't buy. And it started with Matt LaFleur, and he said, look, uh, we have... These plays that come in and it's up to Aaron Rodgers to decide, is this a good play? And if it's not, he can kill it. That's what you hear him say, can, can, can. He can kill it to the next play. And he has the choice. A lot of In a lot of cases, it's, it's run versus pass. He can flip the formation. He can flip the sides of the run. I mean, he can do a lot of different things at the line of scrimmage. He basically has carte blanche at the line of scrimmage to do whatever he wants, right? And the explanation from Rodgers was, look, on second and long, we're getting some advantageous looks. Teams tend to be more conservative, Matt LaFleur said. And that makes sense, right? Especially when the Packers have shown such a capability to push the ball down the field and teams are so concerned about the passing game. I mean, this is not a a couple-week fluke. I mean, they have kept the pedal to the floor in terms of what this offense is able to produce. So teams can't consistently play single high against them because they're just going to throw the ball over the defense's head. So defenses have had to adjust. They need to play more too high safety, and that means lighter boxes. And so when we say Rodgers gets the chance to make these decisions at the line of scrimmage, well, Aaron Jones faced eight or more defenders in the box Just 19% of the time, 19.4%. That's down from last year, by the way. He's faced fewer heavy boxes this year compared to last year. Well, no wonder. No wonder they're running more often, and they are. In game-neutral situations, they're running more than they did last year. And in part, that is because of ways that defenses are approaching them last year. The passing game was inconsistent. They weren't able to as reliably 
beat defenses. And so teams were still daring them. You want to try and throw deep? Okay. We think it's more important to stop Aaron Jones. The 49ers did as much. Now, they said they did that, but they did stop Aaron Jones. They didn't really play as much man-to-man as they said. They didn't play as much single high as they said. But that's neither here nor there. The point of all of this is, though I still think they are doing it too much, when you do it the most, just because you're pretty good at it doesn't mean you're you're doing it the appropriate amount. It's still too much. It's still too much second and long running. We just know empirically it's not a good play and certainly not as good as, as throwing it could be. But, and this is important, when you have Aaron Rodgers, by the way, it's even worse of a play when you have Aaron Rodgers because you could throw it and chances are if you're going to complete 70% of passes and you're going to average eight yards an attempt, Guess what? On second and eight, if you average eight yards an attempt, you're going to get a first down. But if those runs are being called because the quarterback is seeing positive box counts for the offense, if they've got six, seven guys in the box and you think you can block that up, at least what you're doing is calling those runs in situations where you are best positioned to succeed. That's the thing that I think separates what, you know, we just t- a call in the in a vacuum. You know, you have a second and long run call in a vacuum because you could be facing an eight, an eight man box. That's a really bad run call. Well, if you're going to trust Aaron Rodgers, trust Aaron Rodgers to do the thing and say, okay, Aaron, it's up to you to decide. The Packers are not only giving him that freedom at the line of scrimmage, they're giving him more RPOs this year than last year. And that means trying to decide, okay, how are teams playing this offense? And if they're going to give them those positive count looks, you're going you're gonna to run the ball in those situations. That is, by very definition, what the play is designed to do. It's why they're still pretty good on second and long because if you're going to run you're trusting your hall of fame quarterback your future three-time mvp quarterback to get you in runs only when it's the best possible situation for your offense and at least from that standpoint that is a better process than just calling a second down run and saying okay we have to run this play as it's called before we get to Dante, our show today brought to you by Bet Online. No better time to get involved in the gambling world than the NFL playoffs. The NBA is picking up steam. That's a lot of fun as well. Night to night, you've got a lot of action that you can have going on here. Uh, we still have a college football title that is set to be played. So go use the one place that has you covered, the one place we trust betonline.ag right now if you sign up for a free account and use the promo code locked on you'll get a 50 percent welcome bonus that means the money you put in they will match up to 50 percent don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action and don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit 
Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you find podcasts brought to you by betonline.ag. All right, let's get to Dante Whitner. You remember him from the playing field. He was a two-time Pro Bowler. Played against Aaron Rodgers, played under Mike Patton. You can follow him on Twitter at Dante Whitner. Dante, thanks for coming on Lockdown Packers. It's good to be with you. Oh, thanks for having me. I I know that a lot of our listeners will remember the battles that you and those 49er defenses had with Aaron Rodgers uh, in in those, especially 2012 and 2013 seasons when it felt like Green Bay just had nothing for you guys. Uh, did, did you did you feel that too? I don't know if we felt that. We always felt that Aaron Rodgers was dangerous no matter what type of weapons he had around him and that he could always make every throw. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to show him the same look majority of the times and actually between four to six seconds on the clock, we wanted to position the size and a guy of his caliber, he's seen everything. Eventually, he's going to figure it out. Sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. But you have to attack him with a four-man rush, and you have to get home, and you have to be able to have a multitude of different coverages or he's going to shred you. And he looks like an MVP right now. And if you have a defense that's not going to disguise and not going to affect him with the front four and you try to blitz him, then he's going to beat you every time. So that was our game plan. When we played Aaron Rodgers was disguise as much as possible, not get into position to four to six seconds on the clock and try to affect him with the four man rush. How different do you think those matchups would have gone if he had a run game like he has now with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and those guys? Because, you know, in one of those games, you know, you're talking about Dewan Harris was back there and and all due respect to Dewan, who had, you know, was a fun running back. He's not as good as these guys. Right, and that's what the Green Bay Packers, you have to pick your poison. Okay, if you have viable running backs back there like they have now with Jones and their crew, then maybe they would have gave us more more problems. The thing that we did was we like to play a lot of two-high, two-man quarters, keep those safeties back, and allow our backers and defensive line, which is six in the box, to stop the run. And majority of the time, we were able to stop the run with six and seven-man box, which allowed us on the outside – to double some of the guys like Greg Jennings at the time, right? And guys that they had that mm-hmm. could push the football down the field. So maybe it, those those matchups would have been a, went a little differently if they had a running game, but, you know, we'll never know at this point. <laughs> right. And and that two-high look uh, with two-man is something that, that Vic Fangio took to Chicago. It's something that the Rams are now running in L.A. It's something that college teams are using to slow down some of these spread offenses. Why do you think more teams are not playing some of those concepts that have shown to be effective against the kind of offenses that right now are just tearing up the league? Because they don't have guys in the box who are really grown men that could take over two gaps, defensive linemen and defensive ends that can play two multiple gaps, and you don't have two inside linebackers who are all pros who can get off of right. offensive guards and centers and make tackles, run sideline to sideline. And another thing that we used to do is – Bowman and Willis though, is, a nice, is a nice combination to have. Absolutely. Even though 
we would show a lot of too high concept and a lot of two safeties deep man underneath. We had a variety of different coverages that we played from that same look, whether we would rotate down and play a three buzz, which is the safety inserting as the linebacker to the strength. And he has a zone responsibility, but he can play that from a deep look. You can play two man from that look. You can play quarters from that look. If they give us a three by one, which is three receivers to one side, one receiver to the other, the backside safety that's to the single receiver side, if there's a threat at number three, oftentimes we would get that safety from the backside to come over number three and take him vertical. And then sometimes we would play games with Aaron Rodgers. It's chess out there. Okay, so he understands zone mm-hmm. alignment from the linebacker standpoint, right? So if you have five, say you have um, two wide receivers in the slot and we have Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman and they're aligned on him, automatically Aaron Rodgers assumes zone because he's thinking there's no way in hell that we have our best receivers in the slot <laughs> and they have these linebackers over the top of it. We know they're not playing man. So guess what? They would run zone concepts and we would have our linebackers actually playing man on those guys. So you have to beat him playing chess sometimes and do things that are uncharacteristic of other defenses, but you have to do that to affect them. He's one of the greatest. Yeah, and and do you think, I mean, you go back to the, the first matchup with Tampa Bay this year and the Packers could see Tampa Bay uh, in the second round of the playoffs if the Bucks win and the Seahawks win. Are there through lines that you can draw with some of these teams that have given Rodgers problems? I mean, your your defense, the 49ers defense from last year, this Tampa Bay defense this season? Yes, that Tampa Bay defense is a high-pressure, high-impact defensive system. Um, they have disguise built into their coverages earlier in the season. They'll show single high, making you think that the outsides and the seams of the defense is open, and then they'll rotate over the top playing some sort of two-trap, two-man. So they do have that in their repertoire. So I think that if anybody could give the Packers defense with being able to deceive Aaron Rodgers, being able to get home with the front four, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Anybody else in the NFC, they don't have the front four. They don't have the capabilities and a disguise built into the defense. Because you have to understand, Aaron Rodgers has seen everything. So he's basically reading right. your nickelback. He's reading the foot position of your nickelback, the placement. Is he outside? Is he inside? If he's outside, it's single high. If he's inside, it's some type of two concept or two-man concept. He's reading the outside um, depth of your corners. If your, your corners are somewhere around eight, nine yards, he knows you're playing single high. So everybody has to be in tune with what he's looking at. You have to be good actors. You have to be good actors with your eyes and your mannerisms to affect a quarterback as great as Aaron Rodgers. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, I think all Packer fans will have the image from 2012. It was the 2013 year, but 20 it was the 2012 season of Colin Kaepernick putting distance between Charles Woodson in that playoff game. How many how many teams could Colin Kaepernick start for right now? Any other teams that are running this college hybrid offense where it's predicated on having a quarterback that can move around, being that extra guy that hold guys on the edge pulling the ball out, running run-pass options, right? This is the same offense that Colin Kaepernick actually started in the National Football League those years that we were making the runs deep in the playoffs into the Super Bowl. So he could actually play on any of these offenses, including Kyle Shanahan's offense in San Francisco, if they would only give him an opportunity. Yeah, and and you actually played... I had forgotten this until I went back in and uh, was doing a little research on you. I forgot that you had played for Mike Patton in Cleveland. 
Yeah, played for Mike Patton in Cleveland. Mike Patton is a feast or famine type of guy. He wants to affect the quarterback. He wants to affect line count. He wants to confuse your offensive line. So what he likes to do is he'll show three or four guys to the left, right, and teach them how to be good actors, how to be good with their eyes, how to be good with their body mannerisms. And he'll show you, hey, yes, we're deceiving the quarterback. We want the ball to go here. And the next thing you know, the blitz is coming from the right. Guys are dropping out, playing seam flat, hook three, and your quarterback is on the ground with a concussion, right? So that's how Mike Pettin <laughs> plays it. He's coming after your quarterback. He doesn't really care about yards. He understands he has to go after the head of the snake. The quarterback is the head of the snake, and he's going to do everything he can do to affect you, the quarterback, and the offensive line. One of the things that the the Packers players said about Mike Patton when he first got into town was accountability. And that was something that they felt like had been lacking there. And then President Zedaria Smith show up a year later and they raved about him and the communication skills there. What is it about him as a coach and the way that he relates to his players that you think has his guys go? He, he makes sure that we're going to be accountable, but also make sure that if we have an issue, we can come talk to him because Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, they went to Mike Patton about a month and a half ago and said, hey, we need to change the way we're doing some things here. And they did it. That's the true definition of a player coach. I can recollect times in Cleveland when we were tied for first in the division. I think everybody in the division was eight and four, yep. I believe. And then we get a call from upstairs and they say, hey, put Johnny Manziel in the game. Take Brian Hoyer out. And Mike Pettin and those guys had to come to us as players and pretty much say, hey, they're throwing the season. And, you know, it's hard. That's hard. You're scrambling at that point. When the offense can't produce points, you know Johnny Manziel is out there and he shouldn't be out there. What do you tell your defense? He came up with every type of blitz, every type of, you know, scheme to try to keep us in these football games and win. He would bring guys into his office and say, hey, we don't care about what's going on with the other side of the ball. What do you think like we need to do better? as individuals and collectively as coaching staff and as a team to get this shit turned and players will call things out. And guess what? We would step on the football field on Sunday and you would see him actually try to implement those changes and those calls on the defense. So he understands that this game is played by the players and it's not played by the coaches. And if you're not a player's coach, eventually your guys will turn on you and they won't play for you. So that's why he's the way that he is. And that's why I have so much respect for Mike Pettit. Yeah, and and there have been some some fan calls for for his job and and some of the things that he does. But Matt LaFleur is the same way. He is a player's coach and he empowered those guys right away. I mean, in the building the first day, um, you know, to a man, the guys in the locker room talk about how impactful it was for him to stand in front of the group and say, "You've been doing this a certain kind of way. I understand that. We're going to do it a different kind of way now." And it it was not disingenuous. It was this is it was it was like this is what we're going to do. And everyone responded to it, even though LaFleur, if you just sort of talk to him, doesn't feel like that alpha personality. He is a good communicator and a genuine guy and the players respond to it. Absolutely. And that's all you need to be a great head coach is to be a great communicator. Guys will respond to you. And then you have to be a CEO. You have to know who to delegate certain tasks to mm-hmm. and then make sure that they are available to handle those those jobs that you delegate. And that's what all the great head coaches do. People have this perception in their head that Bill Belichick and these head coaches are really hands-on with the team. And it's not the, it's the farthest thing from the truth. 
a lot of times the head mm-hmm. coaches, they stand in the sideline eating sunflower seeds and they're just witnessing and watching practice like everybody else <laughs> because he's already put the work in and he's delegating all the other tasks to other, other people. He'll look over the game plan. He'll watch the film. He'll know what's going on. But he's allowing everybody around him to make those calls. Do you think if you came into the league today, given the way that you played and and the, the things that you did well, that they would have you playing something more like money back or linebacker now than, than true safety? Yeah, I believe so. And, you know, I don't know how I would be able to translate and play today, you know, with the big hits and, you know, not being mm-hmm. able to play a physical style of football. Like, what do I do? Right? Like, what's my identity? <laughs> really, what's my identity if I'm playing in today's NFL? To hit you low as hard as I possibly can? I don't think that puts a lot of fear into people. And, and football has a, a fear aspect that's actually missing from the game right now. So a lot of these times you see guys like Diggs and receiver from Buffalo and they run across the field and get up and, and given the first down market. That never would have happened a couple of years ago. These guys were frightened to step into the middle of the right. football field. And now you change the rules, everybody's tough, right? So I don't know how I would be able to translate over. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of fun out of the game. And I think it takes something out of the game for the fans as well. That's a huge part of the big hit. So as someone who played for Mike Patton and, and knows him a little bit, let's just say we're going to put the cart way before the horse. Let's just say the Packers and the Chiefs meet in the Super Bowl. How do you think Mike Patton would handle a theoretical matchup with Patrick Mahomes? Well, first and foremost, he's going to have to rely on his front four, the Smith brothers. You guys have to get home. We can't add too many guys because they have a ridiculous amount of talent and speed all over the football field. Mm-hmm. He would play a lot of two-man. I know he has trap in his repertoire. I know that he plays by quarters in his repertoire where he can take away a lot of the deep shots downfield. And I know that he has surprise zero blitzes, surprise man blitzes, surprise zone blitzes. He's very good at disguising and trying to manipulate the quarterbacks and the offensive line. So I expect him to be himself. And those other downs, you have to take away the vertical threats. But when you do blitz Patrick Mahomes, it has to be a surprise. You cannot not allow him to see the coverage, right? Step behind center, or oh, I'm going to throw it here. Let me run around a little bit and get a big play. No, you have to get him on the ground. Surprise zero blitzes, supply, surprise man blitzes, and then your players have to make plays for you. So I think that that's the way he would attack them in a hypothetical matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs. Last thing here, and we, we touched on it a little bit with our discussion about Tampa Bay, but if you were going to put together a team – uh, best equipped to stop this uh, Packers offense, what would that look like? And is there a team in the NFC that you think fits closest to that formula? If I'm going to put a, put together a team that's going to be able to, first and foremost, stop the Packers offense, we have to be able to get home with four-man rush. We have to have linebackers that can stop the run with light boxes and do it consistently, very good tacklers. You have to be able to locate where Devontae Adams is. Like wherever they align him, you know he's going to get between 10 to 15 targets a game. And no matter what you have to do within the defense, you have to keep a guy over the top of him and a guy underneath to physically disturb and disrupt his routes. And that's no matter where he moves. If he aligns at number three to the slot side, number two, you have to have different rules, and that's the objective of the game. It's not to allow him to beat you and take the top off the defense. 
and you have to stop the run with the light box. As far as Aaron Rodgers, the, the defensive secondary has to make every single thing look the same. And you have to know that for years it's been known that Aaron Rodgers does not snap the football between four and six seconds left on the clock. So everybody that steps on the defense, uh, football field on defense, you have to know that. So if you're blitzing from the left or the right, do not get into position or even look to where you're going until it gets to about seven, eight or seven seconds on the clock if you want to be a good disguise in defense versus Aaron Rodgers. Now, that's easier said than done. You get out there, it's a lot of adrenaline going, a lot of adrenaline pumping. Young guys, he gets up there and he shows his hands and they immediately show the coverage, don't they? Now he knows where he's going. <laughs> now, if you have guys that are poised, that are, are, are veteran with that veteran savvy, he'll get up there and show those hands and you'll show the opposite blitz. Oh, man, you got us. And then guess what? When he snaps the ball, we have somebody coming from somewhere else and we have them on the ground. That's the way a veteran team is supposed to handle the top-tier quarterbacks, especially Aaron Rodgers. But how often does that happen? Not too often. So I don't see a team in the NFC that can affect him. If they're on, hitting on all cylinders, if Devontae Adams is in the game, I don't see a team that can beat the Green Bay Packers in the NFC right now. Well, that is the perfect place to end, Dante. I appreciate you taking the time, man. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And especially now, you've got New Year's resolutions probably. You're trying to slim down a little bit maybe. If you're like me, you're going, okay, now is the time to figure out this whole post-quarantine life and how I want to look and, and what's going on here. So you still want to be able to eat things that taste delicious, but things that are not going to blow your diet. That's Built Bar. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, mint brownie, salted caramel. These are things that should explode in calories, yet these are all covered in 100% chocolate. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And best of all, they taste freaking delicious. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow, our Periscope show. We will have a live Friday Periscope show. Remember, it's only Periscope for so long. Uh, Twitter is probably the best way to make sure you're going to get it. Uh, at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast at Locked on Packers. We always retweet the link out from there as well. No injury reports, so we'll just take your questions. We got a lot of questions in with, with Lily yesterday, so... If you have a new question, if you have a pressing question, um, send it along. I already have a couple in the queue ready to go, but but always would love to get some more. Remember to subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up for a show like tomorrow, you can on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.